57th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that spent all afternoon writing condolence cards for the value of your modern collection. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. A quick message from our sponsor, Face to Face Games. FaceToFaceGames.com provides competitive pricing on Magic singles and sealed product with shipping to both the US and Canada. Check out Face to Face card pricing via MTGPrice.com, card details pages, whether you're building your deck or stockpiling a spec. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on the interwebs. My co host, as usual, is Travis Allen, aka at Wizard Bumpin, and we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, everyone. Glad to be here for our 57th episode. Uh, Looking forward to a lot of interesting things to discuss this week with the Modern Masters 2017 spoilers. Our show is sponsored by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. Wow. So Modern Masters, the kitchen sink edition. Yeah. Yep. So we have uh, a show in three parts this week. Uh, segment one is our top movers, where we will look at the cards that have moved the most uh, in price recently. Segment two is cards to watch. This is cards that James and I have our eyes on for uh, price movement in the future. And uh, segment three, probably you know half of the episode is going to be kind of pouring over these Modern Masters 2017 spoilers that started on Monday and, and trying to make sense of what's going on there. It's uh, quite a set. So let's uh, let's jump right in. Segment one, top movers. Our first card of the week is Eidolon of the Great Rebel out of Journey into Nyx. Um, we're looking at the non-foils here specifically, but I'm sure you'll see movement over on the foils as well. Price started the week at $6, and it is currently around 12 for about a double up. Um, this came on the back of Jeremy uh, over on the webcast I do, Cartel Aristocrats, but a lot of copies that he ever, I think he said every copy he could find under $6. Yeah. He said um, three, 350 copies. If I recall correctly, yeah, something like that. The trigger was seen goblin guide reprinted in modern masters 2017, because suddenly that set up Eidolon to be the most expensive component of the deck. Um, especially with the fetches having been reprinted too. Um, so he, uh, he pretty handily cleared out the low end on that one. I expect this will probably stick at least in the nine to 10 range. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think it can hold because it's not an easy card to reprint just just anywhere. Um, it's quite Thero specific, so it's uh, pretty much off limits for standard sets for a while. Um, so it has to find its way into um, a supplementary product to make any sense. Um, and I suspect it's just the, it's the kind of card that will show up easily in Modern Masters 2019. And in the and in the meantime, it probably gets a free pass. It's not particularly expensive yet, and the card could end up in the fifteen to twenty dollar range. Um, on the basis that Zoo and Burn decks both make use of the card, and they tend to be some of the cheaper and more accessible uh, and easy to play decks in in Modern, um, at least uh, as a deck to kind of get rolling with. That's not particularly difficult to understand. Uh, so, oh no, okay, I was going to say, does that show, can that show up in Modern Masters 2019? But it can, because we ended with Dragon Maze, so Modern Masters 2019 will be, uh, Theros and Cons, actually, that's funny. Yeah, that, and that will be an interesting test of whether Modern Masters, uh, as a format, uh, you know, uh, servicing product, 
uh, is still in existence uh, at that time because right in and around 2019, spring or summer is where you might expect to hear uh, rumors of a new format if indeed that they are looking to encourage people to buy more new cards. Um, how things play out with Modern Masters 2017 will certainly contribute to that. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Yeah. Okay. So what do you got next for us? Uh, so apparently a card I didn't even know existed called Falling Star out of Legends moved from $6.50 to 17 That's a $10 increase or about 160%. Uh, it's a reserve list card. It's at very low supply. Um, you want to tell me what this thing does? Uh, why are you sticking me, me with this one? <laughs> this is one of the dexterity cards, right? Like everyone knows, yeah, everyone knows Castor, but Falling Star is a three mana sorcery. You, It's a dexterity card, so you flip it onto the board from at least a foot off of the table um, in the same way you would do Chaos Orb, and then it does three damage to everything it lands on, and then it taps those creatures. So basically a worse Chaos Orb. <laughs> There's a pretty good reason I didn't know about this card. Uh, I'm sure it's it's stuck away in a binder somewhere doing nothing like it will continue to do. Um, I have no idea if the old school Magic guys uh, play this. I'll have to check in with Sig and see what the story is. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I would imagine it's, oh, hey, it's a dexterity card. There's not a lot of them. Let's buy them. Yeah, I mean, the, we're down to the point with these sets where, you know, every other week we're seeing, you know, long shot specs that, that are not predicated on play pattern. They are predicated on extremely low supply and collectors eventually needing to, the cards to finish sets. Um, and this is just one of those cards. Yeah. Okay, so next on our list is Tainted Pact from Odyssey. Started the week at two. It's currently around five fifty. Um, now this is, would be the part of the cast where I would tell you why that price moved, but I honestly am rather stymied. Um, this is a card. It's it, it's sort of a weird. It's a bad demonic tutor um, in EDH. It's a two mana instant black. Um, and rather than just search for the card, you just exile cards from the top of your library until you reveal two cards that are the same name. But it's EDA, so that's not going to happen. So you just exile cards until you find the card you want and put that in your hand. So, you know, if you're tutoring for one really specific card and you do not care what you eat along the way, it's pretty good at that doing that. Um, I mean, supply is really low on TCG Player right now, but this, and this card's from Odyssey, I guess. Uh, yeah, so I mean, because it's an Odyssey, it's not modern legal. Um, and in Legacy, the play pattern is that it's played as a three of, usually in Dark Depths, um, uh, as a way to pull up a win condition when you need it. Is that new? I don't think I've ever seen that before. It, it's not something I've seen in a lot of lists, but there's a 5-0 list on Goldfish from recently that was using it. Okay, so that must be where it came from. I, I had never seen this card in a single deck, but I guess somebody figured that tech out. Yeah, I mean, tu tutors eventually end up in decks. So that's <laughs> that that uh, the ability to go pull a, a, a card, uh, a silver bullet, a solution, a win condition out of your deck at a moment's notice is always going to have value. Well, somewhere around here, I have a foil copy that I've had in my possession since I think I started playing Magic that I have looked at every time and gone, why isn't this worth more money? And so, hooray, it's worth more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's only a few copies, foil copies left, and they're about 30 bucks on TCG right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you got next for us? More mysteries. Carpet of Flowers um, out of Urza's Saga, uh, a card that occasionally sees play in uh, EDH decks if they're in a blue heavy metagame. It's an enchantment for one green. During your main phase, you may add up to X mana of one color to your mana pool, where X is the number of islands target opponent controls. So that could be good for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine uh, uh, mana. 
uh, per turn uh, in a in a game where you get to pick the player with the heaviest blue influence on the board. Um, but it's it's not like it's a, a a staple in EDH. It only shows up in a few dozen decks under a bunch of different commanders um, on EDH.rec. Um, so uh, again, this just looks like something that uh, is you know 20 years old, has extremely low supply. It's got cool Rebecca Gray art, and uh, yeah, that's about all I got for you. Yeah, that works for me. Uh, finally, this week we have Rite of Passage. Uh, which is a 50 cent, used to be a 50 cent rare from, I believe that's Dark Steel. It is now $6. Yeah, fifth Don, fifth Don. Fifth Don, one of the two. I always get them confused. Who cares? Uh, so the reason Rite of Passage is spiked this week is somewhere along the line, someone realized that Hardened Scales plus Rite of Passage plus Walking Ballista is a combo. Um, because the way it works is Walking Ballista takes one counter off to shoot itself which then because of Rite of Passage puts a counter back on, but because of Hardened Scales, you put two counters back on. So you spend a counter to get two back. Now you can just make your Blissa infinite, infinite, and then kill your opponent by shooting them. Um, so it's a clever little magical Christmassy land combo, uh, but there's definitely some synergy in between each of the individual pieces. You know, if you have, if you have any two of them, it's still kind of doing something for you, and three is, is very strong. Uh, completely 100% untested, but just a cool interaction. But, you know, we're talking about a single printed rare from Mirrored and Block. There were zero copies to begin with. Now there are even less available. Uh, it was actually supposed to be my pick of the week on Monday on Cartel Aristocrats, but it had already sold out like that night, <laughs> like that afternoon. So couldn't do it for you. Um, so there you go. That's where it comes from. Yeah, I've been testing the card. A lot of the scales aficionados that I'm in touch with um, that are trying to trying to break that card are, are testing the card. The problem is that it's three it's mana. You, it's you. When you talk about hardened scales aficionados, it's just you, okay? Can we admit that? <laughs> there, there, there's been four or five different major streamers that are much more important than I am uh, in the magic in terms of influencing the magic community um, that have been running scales de- various forms of scales decks the last few weeks. So uh, it's you're 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 new seance guy. You're the new seance guy. <laughs> Um, scales foils have already have already made people money, so I'm not I'm not going to apologize for hardened scales. The um, uh, right of package pa- passage unfortunately costs three, not one, like scales, so it doesn't quite as easily fit into modern decks, and it's certainly not going to be a four of if it's there. It's the, it's the kind of card that you know one of a two of maybe, and it's questionable whether it can even make you know claim a slot in these decks because there's so many other cards that already boast reasonable synergies, and it's not clear that you're playing green very much green in those decks anyway. Um, you know, the instant kill machine gun effect with walking ballista and scales is obviously pretty sexy. Um, and if you have a hanger back walker in play and you block with it, getting, uh, uh, extra counters, uh, on, on the walker, um, and it potentially living and getting bigger is pretty gross too. Um, so, you know, there, there's some play to the card, but it's really about it being low supply. If this had been printed anytime recently, it would not have moved on the action we've seen so far. If it shows up in a top eight somewhere, then it's another matter. But I think you'd be happy to get out um, while the getting is good at current pricing. Uh, I completely agree. Uh, the odds that this is worth more than $6 is... I don't like them. Somebody okay. on, on Reddit told me today they thought it was a trap card, which is, a, I, I guess, the best label you can put on cards like this that are unproven in tournaments. Correct, correct. Although that's a, I don't know, a trap is like part of like a vernacular, right? Like that's a slang term now. So you got to be careful what you say, what what you call traps. Segment two, <laughs> cards to watch. <laughs> uh, 
So uh, before we jump in here, I kind of want to lead off with something quick here that I know that a lot of people are probably here like salivating, like, okay, tell me what to buy now that Modern Masters has been spoiled. I do not, I do not have a strong beat on where you should be going right now. And I just want to tell you that up front. We know what's getting crushed, but it's kind of, it's these, because of the way this was printed, it's really tricky to pick out what's going to skyrocket because of that. Cause it feels like everything I would have been inclined to go like, oh, go buy this also got reprinted. Um, and I have found, I'm looking through all these modern lists and I'm like, okay, like almost every card is either a common recently printed. So it can't really move that much. Uh, was just reprinted in Modern Masters 3 or already cost $40. So I am, I, you know, I just want to let you guys know, like, I, this was, this is tough. I have been spending the last three days scouring, trying to find stuff worth buying into, and I don't think I've paid for anything yet. I mean, I've spent plenty of energy and wasted breath in the last year arguing with people about whether MTG Finance is dead over and over and over again while we're still making money. Um, and... And, and also, you know, advocating for the fact that even though there are, are more reprints than before, um, many, many, many cards still do not get reprinted. However, uh, if you, in reviewing the list of what we're getting in Modern Masters 2017, um, it is hard to deny um, that many of the key staples in the format um, ha are now facing an imminent deep reprint. Um, that we'll talk a bit of, about uh, a bit more in terms of allocations as we get deeper in the show. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's making things trickier. Yeah. Oh, and I, I'm sorry, before before we dig any deeper into this, I should pause and double back on the top movers because it doesn't show up on the list because it happened today, but people are going to realize it. Mishra's Bobble is currently sold out below $60. So that was the mover of this afternoon. I think that sold out at like three o'clock today or something like that. Yeah, and somebody yeah. told me, because I posted the question the other day on the predication that um, we were probably not getting Mishra's Bobble, uh, and, you know, what? How, how many of those things are in a box of Cold Snap? Um, the answer was two, approximately, um, which makes some of the European language boxes on MKM start to look pretty attractive, because they're in the, you know, 150 to 200 range, and there's some other stuff in that set. Um, so if you could pull two $60, you know, Italian baubles out and actually manage to sell them at that price, um, then, uh, you might have a reason to be cracking packs, but, uh, I'm not convinced quite yet. Yeah. That's a, that's a deep play. It's a deep cut, but okay. Let's get back to, um, segment two here, our cards to watch. Looks like you've got a couple for us. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So there's some cards that are more or less confirmed squeezed out based on um, what we know so far about what's included in Modern Masters 2017 um, because the way that the numbering of cards works um, uh, it goes through each color alphabetically so if you have you know an A card and then a B card both can or and a C card both confirmed um, and you know the next card is an H then you know that anything between the B and the H cannot be in the set um, and so people have been collaborating on a shared Google spreadsheet um, all week, uh, trying to get out ahead of all of this. And most of my picks this week are cards that look like they are not going to be included in the set that have reasonable play patterns, um, have some chops in casual circles, um, or are cheaply available in Europe especially. Um, so the first one on my list is Ancestral Vision, which has been reprinted twice, but both in supplementary products. So um, actually hasn't seen a full reprint since Time Spiral. 
Uh, and because it uses uh, the... I don't think that's a reprint. <laughs> what? You said it hasn't had a reprint since Time Spiral, but that was the printing. It only had the one full set print. No, but, it, but it's been in two supplementary products. Right, right, right. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. You just okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so it hasn't it hasn't had a full set, a, a full set release print that has provided a lot of inventory, um, right. and because it uses suspend, a mechanic that they're not anxious to go back to anytime soon, uh, uh, it's pretty unlikely to show up in standard. And if it's not in standard, then it's you know probably not going to show up in a random supplementary product anytime soon. Um, and could easily just be something that's put on the back burner for Modern Masters twenty nineteen. Um, although those kind of guarantees are now, you know, uh, should be taken with a much heavier grain of salt, given what we're seeing uh, this week. Um, but all that being said, I think it's, you know, this card is probably safe for at least six to 12 months. And we could be getting some really sweet Grixis cards um, in Amonkhet. I mean, the plane is ruled by Bolas. Grixis are his, his colors. Hard to imagine that design and development have not put some effort into giving us some sweet new um, Bolasy spells. Um, Vision is currently sitting in at around $35 if you're picking them up uh, overseas in Europe um, on MKM or via contacts there, and the sell target could easily be in the $60 range for about a 70% gain. Okay. Uh, I think that's a, a strong card. Um, we've been showing up a little bit more lately, so there's certainly some some potential in that one. Uh, okay, so my first pick this week is Noble Hierarch, but I need to heavily stress that this is not currently crunched out of modern masters three it may show up um at this point i'm leaning toward I, I would have guessed it would be before the spoiler started after seeing what's in there i'm inclined to say that it's not but we won't know until the full set is released but you can pick up copies of hierarch right now around 45 this has a price memory what this was like 60 or 70 bucks at one point i think it hit, uh, it hit it it did hit 80. Yeah, it was pretty expensive for a while. Um, it's fallen quite a bit, it's, but it's still a, a majorly important part of modern. Um, it's one of the most played creatures in the format. And uh, without a reprint, this could easily hit 70 bucks again. Um, you know, we don't have anywhere on the horizon. It's got exalted. So you can only put it in supplemental products unless that comes back in standard. Um, so, you know, it's hard for me to tell you guys to rush out and spend 45 bucks a piece on these. But I will say that if it's not in a spoiler tomorrow, I would not be surprised to see this jump a good 15 or 20 bucks a copy. Yeah, definitely. And Hierarch, uh, so I mean, the play on an individual copy, not that exciting, but if you had a play set um, that you could get in on at like 180 and it ends up being 240, then after fees and everything, you make, might make a quick 20 or 30 bucks just because anybody who doesn't have them might might move in on them. Um, because again, it not, it's got a, a specific keyword on it, Exalted, not easy to reprint that just, just anywhere. Um, they would have to have uh, Exalted planned out for a standard set if you to show it for it to show up in standard anytime soon. It is in the top 10 cards in all of modern. It's typically played as a four of, it costs one green. It's uh, an excellent uh, accelerant in uh, at least three or four different decks in the format. Um, a lot of things going for the card. But by the time you listen to this cast, it might get revealed in the set, in which case uh, definitely do not follow through and purchase. Yep, that is a big old disclaimer. <laughs> All right, so next on my list, uh, another card that is squeezed out uh, is Karn Liberated, which is um, has reasonable inventory right now and is rarely played as more than a one or a two of, mostly in Tron decks. 
Um, uh, but uh, a very powerful planeswalker that certainly uh, sells to casual players as well as competitive players, um, just on the basis of it being one of the most powerful planeswalkers ever printed and one of the best things to do with a bunch of green mana at your kitchen table. Um, the buy price in Europe, you could pick them up, uh, you know, shipping in for somewhere around 45 and your sell target could be somewhere in the 60 to $70 range. And that could be anywhere from a 40 to 50% gain. Um, if you manage to pull off the arbitrage. Okay. Another good one. Um, all right. I will toss out another one here, which I, I think it's crunched out, isn't it? I didn't actually think to check, uh, but I'm pretty confident yeah it is crunched out is um ink moth nexus uh i talked a little bit about this on monday i've kind of been wavering on this one you can pick up copies at 20 bucks right now ink moth nexus is not in modern master street it will it will now be the most expensive card in um and in fact uh it's going to be a well i guess i play noble hierarch still it's a very powerful card that hasn't had a real printing since the original printing um and it dodged another reprint here um it shows up in affinity shows up in uh in fact shows up in legacy as well um and is also in a bunch of kind of fringe strategies uh it's a powerful land and it's only 20 bucks for like a once printed modern land so you know you look at stuff like horizon canopy and cavernous souls those were 50 you know grow with burn willows they were all 40 50 60 dollars at some point so I think Inkbot Nexus definitely has a chops to get there. The one thing that gives me pause is it, in fact, has really taken a step back since the last round of bannings. It was one of the best decks in the format, but the banning of Gataxian Probe seems to have really done a number on it. Um, Fatal Push doesn't help either. So we have seen Infect fade from the metagame a little bit. And I have no doubt that Infect will probably come back into modern at some point, but if it doesn't happen for nine months and somehow Ink Moth gets reprinted by four then, uh, then you're kind of up a creek. But uh, I do think that there's a lot of price potential in this card. So I can't guarantee you that this is gonna move. I'm, I'm still a little on the fence about it, uh, but I, I do think that there's some some real potential here. I, I, if one of the two or three different decks that can potentially run this as a four of uh, start doing well a little more consistently, uh, and they enjoy a, a metagame shift in modern um, over the course of the next year, this can easily hit 30. The inventory is not particularly deep. I was actually stunned as I started researching um, the card recently to realize it hasn't had a supplementary reprint, which I thought it most definitely had had. It, it was in an event deck. Right. Okay. So that, that's that's where my memory was I was was hung up on there having been a, a reprint, but the deck is not uh, uh, easily accessible. Um, and a lot of people don't know wouldn't even uh, be able to get their hands on one other than via, say, eBay. Um, and the deck is priced, uh, has the price of Ink Moth Nexus priced into it. So uh, the most of that is water under the bridge. One of the things that I think is especially sexy about this card, though, is that there's cute little combos with, um, in the Ballista Hangerback Walker Arcband Ravager decks that are <laughs> making the rounds. You were going to go there. <laughs> yeah. C Caleb Durward had the, his, his version of the deck on stream the other day where he was using scales to double up uh, the sacrificing of artifacts to his Arcbound Ravager. Um, you know, every, you know, sack a Springleaf Drum, put two counters on the Ravager, sack uh, your Mox Opal, put two counters on the Ravager, sack a Hangerback Walker, put two more counters on the Ravager, and whatever, you know, extra tokens come out of the, the, the Hangerback Walker, you can also ramp up. And then what you do is you activate the Nexus and swing for 10 poison in the air all at once. Um, and unless they've got a kill spell at the ready, they may be taken uh, completely aback 
um, by that particular play coming out of that deck, given that it runs no other poison cards whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, certainly got a lot of nifty interactions in the way that like Glistener Elf doesn't. Um, so I, I agree. There's there's definitely something there. Yep. So I, I like the pick. Um, I don't know if I can see it hitting fifty, but I like twenty to thirty um, as a as a very likely to occur event. And uh, if it dodges reprints for another year or two, then you know forty or fifty is not completely out of whack. No, I mean I really pulled that number based on Grove, Horizon Canopy, those you know those cards like Cavern. I'm like, all right, these can all be that expensive. Clearly, the demand is there. Yeah, and 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 it's a fair point because Inkmoth Nexus is often played as a four of. When you want it, you want lots of it. Whereas Horizon Canopy and uh, is often played as a one or a two of, and Grove is arguably absent uh, in a lot of uh, decks in modern right now. Although. Um, it, it's interesting uh, the interaction between Grove of the Burn Willows and Death Shadow decks, right? Like the ability to give your opponent life and shrink their uh, Death Shadow at instant speed is certainly a thing. Oh yeah, somebody posted earlier that they want to play uh, the old Kabu Predator combo in Modern now, which is you play Kabu Predator, which gains a counter every time an opponent gains life, um, or for each life they gain, and then you play the the fiery justice. It was time spiraled, um, and it's actually in Modern Masters three, which is three de- three mana for deal five any way you choose, um, and your opponent gains five life. So you, if your opponent has like Inkma or has uh, Death Shadow and two Lingering Souls out, and they are at like and they're at five life, you can actually uh, cast fiery justice, give them five life kill the death shadow kill both lingering soul tokens turn your kabu predator into a seven seven and swing i mean it's like unreal how much of a blowout uh fiery justice is against the death shadows deck so we could actually see that coming if it hadn't been reprinted i would be like hey maybe we should look at this but it was maybe kabu predator i wonder what the supply is on that right so i mean the thing is that if they're at five life you're just going to justice them right but they gain five too but it's like part of the spell resolution Oh Just yeah, yeah. You'll yeah, right. any way you choose, and your and they gain that life. So like they don't got actually. It, got it. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. So yeah, you could take down a ten ten death shadow um, with some with justice and Grove of the Burn Willows is an interesting looking card. FTV Realms um, can be my honorary uh, 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 pick of the week uh, on the basis that it is still available in the like hundred and twenty to hundred and thirty dollar range and easily has over two hundred dollars in value right now with Grove of the Burn Willows prospects looking better and better. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, you got one last one for us? Well, I mean, speaking of Horizon Canopy, this was the other um, arbitrage play on my list. I was surprised to find that in Europe I can pick these up for like 30 to $35 all in, um, assuming that I'm uh, amalgamating my shipping costs across multiple orders. And then the the sell target is in the 50 to $60 range. Um, Horizon Canopy just doesn't feel like the kind of card they're going to throw on into a standard set because it's kind of part of it fits best if you print the whole cycle that was kind of was alluded to in future sight and it's unlikely that we're going to see that cycle anytime soon um it doesn't really fill a gap that needs filling yeah i agree horizon canopy used to be a lot more expensive than well i suppose it's not 35 in america but yeah if, if you can find them over in eu and get them shipped over here there's a pretty good margin there 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and I promise everybody that uh, I, I will back off the, the EU arbitrage specs and give you guys something tasty um, on domestic ground if you are have already decided that that is uh, more complication than you are uh, thrilled about. But there are still copies of Horizon Canopy uh, available uh, in the U.S., uh, somewhere around the like 50 to 55 range. And if you pick up a few of those and out them in the 65 to 70 range after fees, it's still a, a nice 5 or $10 increase. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, all right. You want to dig into the the meat and potatoes here? <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your take on all this? Modern Masters I know 2017. You, I know you've got. I know you've got one. You've always got one for us. Well, I, yeah. I already posted my article um, over on MTG Price this afternoon um, under the title "Negotiating the Modern Masters 2017 Minefield." And my goal there was to try to get a handle on just how good the EV of the set is at current pricing. And then taking into account the likely print run that uh, we're expecting, what is going to happen to that pricing as time goes on and how that EV might degrade. Um, And I think the easiest way to summarize it is that, um, is a warning. Do not get too excited about the expected value of the set, which is extremely high because it's going to collapse and collapse hard when we hit peak supply in like four to six weeks, just around the time Amonkhet spoilers show up and steal thunder from this set. So you're predicting then that we're going to see some pretty hard price crashes uh, in the next month or two? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, one of the things that I was looking at was... um, if you look at the expected value of all the 15 mythics that were in Modern Masters 2015, based on research that Saffron Olive did over on Goldfish, um, and you take that that kind of uh, uh, modeling and apply it to Modern Masters 2017, it actually turns out that despite having Tarmogoyf, Liliana of the Veil, Cavernous Souls, and Snapcaster Mage at Mythic, um, the total number of mythics over $25 is actually significantly less than in Modern Masters 2015, which had Tarmogoyf, Vendillion Click, Dark Confidant, Kozilek, Butcher of Truth, Karn Liberated, uh, Bitter Blossom, Mox Opal, Emrakul, the Eons Torn, and Ulamog, the Infinite uh, 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 Gyre? I believe it's Gyre. Gyre, Gyre, um, yeah. Um, all over $25 after fees if you were trying to sell them because Saf's math uh, included... Uh, what you were likely to get for the card after after reasonable fee structures, which I worked into my modeling as well. Um, so, you know, in Modern Masters 2017, we have Temporal Mastery, Bonfire of the Damned, Domri Rad, uh, Sphinx's Revelation, Entreat the Angels, Past and Flames, and Olivia Valderin, which are all under $10 solidly and are going to crater even harder in the face of all the other stuff that's in the set. Um, and so the mythic average Mythic EV contribution... Um, was something like $85 to $90 per box uh, just out of the gate for Modern Masters 2015, and it's only about $70 coming out, of the bo- uh, coming out of the gate for Modern Masters 2017, which means that the average Mythic in uh, 2015 was worth about $6, and the average Mythic, uh, sorry, the average Mythic in 15 was contributing about uh, $6 a box, um, and the average Mythic contribution... Um, for M17 was about 25% less. Um, however, if we start to look at the rares, the story is very different. Um, the total number of rares over $15 in Modern Masters 2015 was only uh, eight, 
You had Noble Hierarch, Cryptic Command, Fulminator Mage, Leyline of Sanctity, Spellskite, Splinter Twin, Wilt Leaf, Liege, and Daybreak Coronet. Whereas, uh, because they've included the Zendikar Fetch lands, the rares are looking much, much sexier because all of those lands um, uh, are still selling over $25 as of today. All of them have taken a pretty big hit uh, from their pricing a couple of weeks ago when they seemed safe. Uh, and by the way, uh, apologies, because both Travis and I agreed on this cast that they wouldn't be included, so feel free to hold us to that. Um, and that's despite me going around telling everybody that I thought the set was going to be super juiced, um, I still didn't manage to put two and two together and realize what the obvious target was if they were trying to juice. Um, so with those five fetch lands all being worth more than 25, even as of this evening, um, and having Blood Moon, Goblin Guide, Vencer, Shaper Savant, Basilisk Collar, and Death Shadow all over 10, and then a bunch of pretty decent stuff between 5 and 10 uh, in Gifts Ungiven, Grafdigger's Cage, Ranger of Eos, um, Phantasmal Image, Abrupt Decay, Zur the Enchanter, Restoration Angel, and Stony Silence, um, the rares are much, much deeper. And so the average contribution of rares in your box, you know, there's 24 packs in a box of Modern Masters, you're going to get 24 rares. The average value you're going to get, um, if you're looking at today prices, in 2015 was only about $95. Um, but by my math, it's somewhere in the 150 to 160 range. Um, so if you picked up boxes in the at like 170 or 180, um, which I did last week, uh, you're going to be reasonably happy when you're looking at this math. Um, and that's not even to mention the math I haven't done yet on the uncommons, which includes uh, Lingering Souls, uh, Path to Exile, Inquisition of Kozilek, um, you know, a bunch of 5 to $10 uncommons that are important to the format and then people typically need four ofs. So... With all of that in mind, you would think, wow, these boxes are a tremendous value. And and you would point to the, um, you know, the race that is now on for people to get their hands on them as cheaply as possible as the prices shift back from as low as 160 that I saw a week and a half ago as people seemed, you know, dubious about how good the set was going to be. Now that we know just how juiced it is, um, you know, prices are in the 210 to 220 range at a lot of places and could could possibly uh, mount their MSRP of 240 again. Um, but uh, there, there's a real problem. Um, and, and that problem is the allocations, right? Like what we've been hearing is that there is way more of this product in the pipeline than before. Yeah, I mean, so part of that, somebody brought up a good, a good point on that. Um, part of that might be that there's no Grand Prix for it this time. Um, which is a bit of a misnomer because Grand Vegas is still very clearly a Modern Masters Grand Prix. Their plan this time was instead of making a limited Grand Prix to put this out three months before the Grand Prix, let prices crash, everyone gets their hands on them, and then they get to show up in Vegas and play Modern. That's why it's sort of the anchor uh, GP. It's the Saturday, Sunday one. Uh, but in any case, all of the supply that did go to the, the Vegas events in the past is now available for people to purchase. Um, kind of is at the local store instead of one huge event because a lot of it was getting cracked at that. So that might account for some of it, um, which is worth considering, although it's hard to gauge how many boxes were like cracked at, at, at Vegas uh, two years ago and how much that distributes across the stores nationwide. It does sound like the supply is really high on this, but the supply on this has to be crazy, right? Because if the supply on this was limited, let's say, I mean, if the supply on this was equal to MM1, boxes would be $400 uh, today. Um, yeah. 
so it, is, it can't be that. So they have to do a huge print run because if they don't, the prices just plummet. Um, but even that, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure it does. But the, now people are just going to be cracking boxes left and right. So I because as long as the supply holds out, you know, there's a lot of value in the set. So th these singles prices are going to really eat it. Foils too are going to be. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and check my math on what Vegas, what the GPs for Modern Masters 2013 meant, because for that uh, set, there was actually GPs on three continents, right? Uh, yes, it was uh, America, Amsterdam, and Tokyo, or something right. like that. And then for 2015, it was only in the US, if I'm not mistaken, because they had already realized that they wanted more of the supply to be available at, at the actual stores. Um, also pretty confident that is correct. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was true. And, and... Or, or it was, actually, I'm going to have to go back and double check that. I, I can't recall if it was actually Vegas, Europe, and China uh, for those GPs. But re regardless, your point still stands, which is that um, if the supply has only been increased uh, in terms of the, the supply in the distribution pipeline to the local gaming stores has only been increased by the same amount that it would have been distributed at major GPs uh, related to a release event, then you know nothing's really changed. Um, the problem is that, if I recall correctly, my math said that about forty percent of the total volume was opened at the GPs, and if that's true, then you would have and, and the distribution is uh, far and away above that additional amount. Then we could still be facing some you know real steep cliffs on on the pricing of these cards, and. If I'm worried, if I'm trying to figure out, you know, what to tell you guys to worry about and not worry about, um, I think that the cards that are played, you know, pretty obviously the cards that are played as four ofs uh, in multiple formats, you know, these Zen fetch lands um, are going to be play sets a lot of people are going to want to pick up um, and use in both modern and legacy and casual decks and cubes. And so on that basis, um, some of them may be more resistant to uh, falling off or may recover faster. Than other things. Now, all of that being said, the KTK fetch lands have pretty much been stalled out since their uh, their release in Cons Block, and that was only a couple of years ago. We haven't seen much movement on them. Um, uh, a broad re-release of the Shocklands in Return to Ravnica has those those prices have been largely stalled out, um, and and are unlikely to ever recover to their their past glories, and. On the other hand, we have cards like Damnation, which people were talking about for complaining for years about that they, it wasn't getting reprinted right, and it was a forty or fifty dollar card because you just there wasn't you know it was a planar chaos card right, so it hadn't been printed in ages, um, and just continued to dodge reprints year after year for a decade. But now that we've got it, if you look at the actual play pattern, I mean that card is only really played by Abzan like Junkless or Jundless in Modern. And they usually run it as a one of in the sideboard. I mean, that's not where you want to be putting your money. No. So, no, I mean, it's... What, do, what do you think the, the price tag is going to be on Damnation in two months? I, you know, honestly, honestly, I think Damnation is like a $4 card. The supply, the demand for that is really relatively quite low. You've got a handful of EDH players, you know, a fair bit of them. 
Um, but beyond that, you know, a couple of modern players might might want two copies. Really, the only reason that people had been clamoring for it was because it just seemed like a home run every single time. And it was just sort of like a joke, like, why would they not reprint this? This is the easiest card to give us, and the price is nuts. But now that it's readily available, I, I think we see prices well south of $10. And yeah, I, mean, I, know, I, could, I could see it rebound, but I think that's where it heads first. I mean, if it had been a mythic, it would have been a different story, right? Then it probably could have oh, held, sure. held like solidly fifteen to twenty, and I think it still, you know, may hold in in that range. But I I won't be surprised if it gets under ten because there is going to be so much of this product open now. Like the hype machine is in full effect. It might be end up being the most uh, appreciated set reveal of the last decade, right? Like no set has had a list of cards with this pedigree ever. I I think we can agree to that other than, you know, like beta or something like whatever the first appearance of all the moxes and, and, and the power nine was aside the, you know, ignoring the first three years of magic. um, No set has ever had this much juice in it. Like this is just crazy. And, but the problem there that people need to understand is that when you have that many good cards, if the supply is wide open, and I had a talk with a contact today um, that was speaking with the main distributor in Australia and said that they had a minimum of two times the uh, available inventory that they had for Modern Masters 2015 and that they thought they would end up with three to four times that much. And that's in sync with what I'm hearing from other vendors that I'm talking to um, in terms of what their allocations look like. Now, other people were saying, oh, no, no, distributors are saying that they might have to cut back on some orders and they're selling out and, and so on and so forth. And it turns out their infinite amounts are not, in fact, infinite. But I have a feeling that, that, that what's going to happen here is that their initial allocation might be sold out. But there's another allocation coming down the pipeline. And... As we saw with Eternal Masters, it's entirely possible that another allocation will be made available to, through distributors later in the year. I mean, that that's the worry now that they did that with Eternal Masters, is that that could happen at Christmas every year, where whatever was the special set from the spring or the summer, you know, pops up again and is not really limited in the way that Modern Masters 2013 was, where there was basically a wave of allocations and that a lot of the smaller stores never got any ever again, couldn't get any from the distributors or anything. It's the same thing as like the original commander sets. The, the allocations were set. They only sent it to the print printer for such and such an amount, and they didn't hold any extra back for you know additional restocking. Um, that is clearly not the situation that we're in. Wizards is fully aware of how much juice they put into this set, how much value um, there is at the get-go, and they have printed in a, accordingly, right? Like the, the whole point here um, for the people on the design dev team looking upstream to their bosses is, hey, look, we can make more money on this product than we have in the past. So the funny thing is, over in the stock market world, on Seeking Alpha, which is a, a, a kind of stock analysis site that is notorious for having kind of borderline fake news posted on all the time by people that don't really know what they're doing, um, somebody somebody posted an article over there with the title, Thanks to Modern Masters 2017, Hasbro and Magic the Gathering will have their best sales year ever. So Hasbro's Magic the Gathering, not Hasbro. But they, they basically said, because of Modern Masters uh, 2017, Magic will bust all the sales records. Um, the guy who posted this is one Scott Hopkins, and Scott Hopkins has no idea what he's talking about. 
And the reason I say that is because if Scott Hopkins does not understand that only about 10 to 15% of the total Magic products sold this year will be constituted by the Modern Masters 2017 release, on the basis that it is, even if it is not a super limited print run like some of its uh, uh, earlier, uh, some of the earlier Modern Master sets, it is still an LGS only event. And if Walmart and Target and all the big box stores are not involved, um, then it's not even remotely one of the biggest sets of the year. It doesn't equate to Kaladesh in the slightest. It won't equate to Amonkhet. Um, it might, might approach the sales of a uh, of the late. Uh, small set in the summer, um, but even that would be debatable. It, it really depends on on what information we end up having about allocations. But I, I would seriously doubt that it, it's more than that amount. And because of that, um, it might represent a five percent boost if it did extremely well. Um, maybe a three percent boost to bottom line revenue. Like you got to remember, like all the different magic pro- supplemental magic products and accessories and licensing and so forth that are released during the year. Um, this is a, a a small drop in a big pond. Yeah, for sure it is against their their total sales numbers. Um, man, I'm I'm not even sure where to start. Uh, this is going. Go ahead. Let me run some of the the picks I had for people to get out of while the getting is not good, but <laughs> everything that showed up, <laughs> but possible. I mean, well, here was the list of things I said that you know it's time to escape if you can't escape. My priority exits that I listed on MGG Price today included the Zendikar fetch lands, which I think have already taken a, a hit in the twenty to forty percent range, but could easily end up as ten to fifteen to twenty dollar cards with Scalding Turn maybe as low as 20 to 25 and the others cascading down from that price point towards 10. Um, Tarmogoyf, I do not think can survive its third printing in five years uh, over $100. And I think it becomes a 60 to $70 card or even lower, depending on how supply peters out. We already mentioned Damnation um, being a problem card that, that uh, you can exit over 30 today. If you can get out over 30, uh, on original copies, I think you're going to be very happy uh, based on the discussion we just had. Creator Hoof Behemoth um, dropping from 20 to 10 seems inevitable. Linvala Keeper of Silence is never a four of. Um, definitely going to end up a 10 to $15 card by the time this is over. Yeah, yeah. The, all of these are just going to get smashed. Um, let's see. I think Cavernous Souls probably fares reasonably well. Uh, it's a four of pretty much every single time somebody plays it. Uh, it's around 50 bucks right now. I could see this hanging at maybe 30-ish. What do you think? I, I, I think we're going to see it as low as 25 or 30. I, I think what's going to happen here is now that everybody's piling on the bandwagon and picking up boxes, hoping to crack and flip, like they're going to crack, keep the cards they want, and flip the rest. Well, everybody's everybody's keep and everybody's sell is going to be different. So what, what's going to result, what the result is, is that people are going to try to pay for their boxes by selling cards. They're going to stumble all over each other on TCG and eBay, undercutting each other by 50 cents at a time. And these cards are going to tumble from 40 to 38 to 36 to 30. To, and somebody's going to get desperate and just be like, oh, it's going so low. I, I've got to get out right now. I'll sell them for 24 on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and that will go on for a little while at peak supply, say four to six weeks out. And once Amonkhet picks up, if that set is good and has a bunch of cool stuff going on and people are excited about standard then there's going to be even less demand for these modern cards. There aren't a, a ton of uh, modern tournaments for people to prep for other than Vegas. Um, and 
uh, I question how um, the rares especially can, will be able to hold their price. I do like, uh, if we're talking about cards that seem safer than others, um, I do like Cavern of Souls. Uh, the community seems split on whether the Snapcaster uh, Mage art is better or worse. I ran a poll on Twitter the other day where 70% plus said the original art was the best. Um, which... Really? That's so surprising to me. The new one I thought was much, much better. Uh, the Tiago art always looked so awkward to me. Um, I, I, it's got a kind of weird stilted kind of like middle ages pose going on, but I, and, and it, it's, to me, it doesn't represent, I, in my mind, we still don't have good Snapcaster art in all three versions. I'm not a huge fan. Um, but I hate the newest art that, that Photoshopped photo realism. Um, and the fact that the mage still isn't doing anything super that, you know, represents speed or dynamic action. It's just kind of like that weird threatening, like Ghostbusters two pose, none of that does anything for me. Um, and I think we can do better down the road. Um, but I'm still, it, because the new art isn't anything special, I'm happy to have the originals that I that I kept in my Jeskai deck for Modern. Cavern of Souls looks like it will um, do a decent job of holding value. Liliana of the Veil and Tarmogoyf are high demand, high profile, um, you know, centerpiece cards in the format. But I think they're both in danger of coming back down into that kind of like $50, $60 range that I was picking up Liliana's for in January of 2015. Um, and and the, the, the bigger problem here isn't, you know, and it's funny because uh, Saffron's piece over on Goldfish Today said, uh, talked about it from a completely different angle. In his opinion, uh, Modern Masters puts modern on sale, in his words. And his whole angle was, look back at some of the cards from the last two Modern Masters sets yeah, they dropped hard, but a lot of the, the most important ones rebounded. The problem is if the supply is significantly increased this time, and we have every indication that it, that it is, um, then then I don't think they're going to rebound as fast, and I don't think they're going to be able to climb as high. Um, and one of the things that's going to hold them back is now that we've seen Wizards' willingness to print, reprint this many staples at once, and we're talking a good 20 or 30 important cards from the format, from the top 50. Um, so, you know, something like, f you know, 30 to 50% of the format, depending on what you're playing, has now been reprinted at, at a, and is within reasonable price range for you. Um, once you believe that that's the status quo, that changes the equation completely. Because now it's not about, you know, here's a pile of cards, which 33% of these do we have to worry about? Now it's what 50 or 60 or 70% of these do we have to worry about? And no one is going to want to pull the trigger in 2018, early 2018 on what might get reprinted in 2019. Yeah, that's that's a huge issue here. Is it, it, it sort of, like you said, it shifts the paradigm. I We have felt in the past reasonably safe with a lot of our, oh, they won't reprint this, we won't see it, we have time, that type of thing. And while a lot of these reprints this time around were expected, uh, the breadth of them. We didn't expect to get all of these. So it's like, damn, if they are really going to print all of this stuff this much, uh, you know, I'm, you know, you're going to see the prices on these cards crater, right? Like I think Blood Moon is, it's like, Blood Moon's like $30, $35 right now. I think Blood Moon will be 15 bucks. But do I want to buy it at 15? Like am, I'm starting to get nervous. Like maybe I don't actually. Like I feel like conventional wisdom tells me all of this stuff is really going to rebound. Uh, but yeah, if, if they're changing the rules of the game, like you kind of want to just stay away, which is to Wizards credit, kind of what they want, right? Like they don't want you and I doing what we do. They don't really want us 
scooping up cards at the bottom of their price and and making a profit on everybody. They want everyone to feel like their cards are like the people can go out and buy the cards. Um, so I, I guess I give them credit for that. They're they're certainly if their goal is to push us away, they're they're succeeding. Uh, I mean, not that there aren't greener pastures. We, it's just not going to be you know modern staples anymore. I I, I truly believe um, that it's worth pointing out that um, I, I don't think that's even remotely a goal over at Wizards. Um, we to function push, to, to push. I, not, I, I don't even think MTG Finance is an issue over there. I think the issue over there is the perception that formats are too expensive, leading to people not investing in them or not playing them, or starting to talk about how they are going to play something else or do something else. That's the danger. As far as you and I go, we are not only, not only are, are you could take all the guys who claim to be MTG finance pundits who have podcasts and write articles and whatever, you could take all of our activity and it wouldn't amount to a day's sales over at Star City Games or Channel Fireball. No, no, no. And I, might, I want to highlight that. I'm not saying that I think Wizards, as much as I love to think they're sitting around, Aaron Forsyth is going, we got to get rid of this Travis guy. He's really cramping us. Uh, I would love the attention. That's not what's happening. I think they are pursuing goals that have the eventual outcome of making it much more difficult for us to function. Yeah. So, I mean, I had this argument with a bunch of people on, on Twitter today. And the crux of, of my uh, of my stance is as follows: the um, MTG Finance is not dead. You and I are going to report on hundreds of spikes throughout the rest of 2017. It doesn't matter that 30 key cards in Modern just got reprinted. All the the only real paradigm shift there is that a lot of these people that got in on MTG Finance got in in the 2009, 2010, 2011 zone as Modern was taking off. And a lot of the cards that they got in Zendikar Block and so forth um, ended up being worth a lot more than what they paid for them or when they cracked them in packs. And that happened without um, active maintenance of their collection. Their entire collections got worth more money. All of their old stuff, their, all these weird cards from 10, 15 years ago got worth more money. All this reserve list stuff that was sitting around in collection binders was all of a sudden worth two, three, four times more money. And a lot of that low-hanging fruit that ability to just play the game willy-nilly, not really think about what you're collecting, and still have a reasonable expectation of your total collection value constantly increasing. Yes, those days are totally over with, or over with for the most part, um, outside of the reserve list stuff. And you have to be much more active in your speculation methods, much more careful, much more diligent, much more selective. The shotgun approach isn't gonna work anymore. You can't just buy up, you know, here's a couple of failed specs that I am caught out on um, that I think are good examples of what's not gonna work. Scavenging Ooze and Abrupt Decay. You know, I've got like 20 plus copies of both. They seemed like total <laughs> slam dunks at the time. I think I actually bought a bunch from Douglas Johnson at about $4 or something, thinking that, you know, this is a slam dunk to get to 10, same as like Eidolon of the Great Ravel um, that I bought in at, a, you know, a similar price point at about a similar time, thinking, you know, this deck is always played in green decks and modern. The graveyard's always a problem. Um, that's rife for abuse. Almost no matter where the metagame goes, there's going to be some graveyard decks and, Ooze is going to be important, but they reprinted it twice in in Commander and now in Modern Masters, so that one's dead. Um, and and Abrupt Decay, same thing. It was it looked like the most important uh, removal spell uh, of the last five years when it came out, uh, maybe the last ten years when it came out in um, 
Return to Ravnica and was an immediate hit in both Legacy and Modern. And yet it has not matured to any kind of reasonable price point where there was a, a, a really great exit. You could make a couple bucks, um, but now that it's reprinted, it, the spec's dead. It's, I'm just going to exit all of those to a buy list once they recover a little bit and, and never think about it again. And it's that kind of stuff, you know, picking up a whole bunch of a modern playable rare um, on the as- assumption that you've got five or six years before you see the reprint um, is no longer going to be a safe play because on the next Modern Master set, they are pretty much caught up. Like like you said, they're going to add Theros block and, and Khan's block, right? And and there's not going to be a whole lot past that um, uh, to, to milk. So um, there was three categories, though, of modern cards I wanted to run by you that I mentioned in the article um, that I think are still mineable. So the first category is high demand recovering reprints. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. Things like Liliana, Tarmogoyf, Snapcaster Mage, Cavernous Souls. If it's three of or four of, it's in multiple formats. It's iconic. Uh, If the art is the same iconic art that you've known and loved or it's better, um, then they have a chance at recovery, right? Um, The other one would be recent reprint Dodgers. Like we talked about Ancestral Vision, um, Ink Moth Nexus, Engineered Explosives, Grove of the Burn Willows, Misha's Bobble. All of these are are likely to see spikes now. And if you were uh, quick enough, uh, if you were on the ball uh, mining that Modern Masters crunch spreadsheet like the rest of us were, then you probably got a chance at some of those. Um, And again, in Europe, a lot of these things are still underpriced. Um, newly unlocked and underestimated cards is the other thing. Like we're talking about cards like Rite of Passage, Amulet of Vigor, Death Shadow, the cards that people laugh at for ages that just sit around in no need of a reprint and then suddenly get activated because some other card gets printed that turns them on. Usually you're going to get a good chance um, at catching on to that spike if you're you know paying attention to up and coming decks. Uh, I think that's a reasonable, reasonable way to to frame those um, in terms of, you know, what, what type of activity we can expect on them in the future. Uh, certainly a card like Liliana is probably better positioned um, to regain some of her ground after this than something like Sphinx's Revelation or even, I would say, Abrupt Decay at this point. Um, but it might take some time and she might get reprinted again uh, in the meantime. I, I would say we don't see a lot of it in this set so far, but in general, I would say your EDH cards are probably your safest bets. Um, you know, if doubling season shows up in here, which I'm kind of expecting it to, that's going to take a big hit, but that's the type of card that I'm a little more excited to, to pick up at its nadir just because the demand for that is ever present. Um, and sort of free of the whims of metagames and what else gets printed like doubling season is always going to be fantastic. Um, well, and, and what kind of a sad day is it for anybody that was still clinging to the dream of Dragon's Maze product, like sealed product rising on the back of a, an ascendant voice of resurgence to see that card reprinted and almost certainly to, heading to a 6 to $10 price point? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no kidding. On a similar, yeah. Um, there's like on, nothing else in that set. There's like nothing. No. No, there is, there's not, there's nothing. There was a Blood Baron of Escopa, I think, but what that was playable and standard, that was like it. Um, the other question I want to, you know, I, I actually thinking of which I, that brings up a good question. I have like three-ish boxes of Modern Masters, the first one. I, at this point, I'm pretty sure I just sell them, right? Like, 
Yep. Why, why, why? At this point, I don't really know why I would hold them. It doesn't seem like there's really much room for growth on those. I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to convince people to buy Modern Masters and Modern Masters 2015, given the overlap between those sets and this set. The fact that, I mean, if Tarmogoyf hadn't been included here, um, you know, you could make the argument that that was the, that those were still the best source for that. Um, if Blood Moon and... Uh, I mean, that's about it. It, it. If Blood Moon hadn't shown up, um, I, I mean, I guess the overlap's not extreme. The, I mean, there's there's a bunch of cards that are not in here so far, so far. You know, we still have rares to be revealed. We know all the mythics, but there are still rare slots. So part of this depends on whether cards like Cryptic Command and so forth show up in this set. Um, the, I'll put it this way. The more cards that show up that are in those two, the harder it's going to be to sell those boxes. Um, early January, I sold a box of Modern Masters for close to 400. I would be extremely surprised if that's still possible today, given that people can get these boxes for 200 um, and then you know trade out of them into the cards that they might need from the other sets. The only caveat I would, I would put on the table is per, perhaps the Japanese boxes that we had money in um, might be a different story because they're significantly more rare, even with the fact that they were offered to U.S. dealers last December. Um, the Modern Masters uh, original printing Japanese boxes are even more rare and, and may hold value. Um, what do you think about the Japanese boxes for this set? Um, oh, geez. I mean, I guess at the same price. Again, honestly, foil, foil Japanese Zen Fetchlands? I don't, I don't know how much people care anymore. I mean, I feel like the mystique of Japanese foils has faded a little bit. Maybe that's just me. Nope, nope um, that's true. I mean, when I was talking to Dan Bach and I did an interview a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had the discussion about foreign foils, and he confirmed with his extremely uh, broad sales pattern that foreign foils are definitely selling worse and at a lower multiplier than they were five years ago. Yeah, I just, you know, that has always sort of been like the approachable holy grail of this type of thing um but i just i don't see that as uh something to get ex that excited about anymore i mean if you're paying the same price for uh japanese boxes you are as you are english boxes that's pretty good but unless you are mm, i don't know if you care that much i, I don't think you're going to be able to get japanese boxes less than 300 shipped maybe 280 because um, the stores in Japan still can't sell them direct, so it's got to be from some guy who walked into a retail operation, uh, hopefully got a deal and then passed it on to you. The, mm. I mean, one of the the things here is that if modern gets on average fifteen to twenty percent cheaper for a while, which is what the set could do, um, because enough of the the most important cards in the format right now have been touched. I mean, four ofs like Abrupt Decay, Goblin Guide, Death Shadow. Um, gifts ungiven scavenging news is not really a four of but ever present in all of the fetch lands um uh, plus the you know the mythics we've already talked about um you know if they come down low enough that really could knock 100 or 150 dollars off of, off a couple different decks um you could make the argument that that could lead to a resurgence in resurgence in foil demand on the basis that people still have the same pool of money to put towards their modern decks if that's where their interests lie um but now they can get staples for cheaper so they're more willing to invest in foils mm, i suppose i mean I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more people owning foils just because they're so much easier to pick up these days but even still i don't know that 
Go ahead. I'll tell you what what cards uh, this almost certainly puts <laughs> pumps the brakes on um, the expedition versions of the Zen Fetch lands, right? I would have to think. I mean, they're so readily available. The the this makes them so much more readily available uh, that there's less of it. It's it's not, you're much less in a position where you're like, oh, well, I'm paying $90 for Scalding Tarn as it is. I might as well pay, uh, you know, what, 100 and 280 or whatever for the Expedition one. Now it's like, oh, well, I can pay 10, 20 bucks for a Scalding Tarn. Why would I pay 200 or whatever for the I, other I, one? I'm very curious to see how low uh, Pack Foil Scalding Tarn will get. Um, very, very curious. I think that's going to be an interesting case study. Um, because the expedition provides a hard upper ceiling um, until they run out of those. And uh, if the Scalding Tarns themselves get down to 20 or 25, then foils could be in the 50 to 60 range. Uh, yeah, I think you might even see them lower than that, especially if the foiling process is bad because we don't know what it's going uh -huh. to be yet. Yes, that that is an excellent point actually we should bring up is that uh, Modern Masters 2013 foiling wasn't especially uh, good. Um, there was a lot of chipping on those cards. Um, 2015 had an extreme gloss that just seemed even worse than usual, um, very close to FTV foiling process, could even be coming off the same presses. Um, the question now stands, how bad are, you know, are the foils still going to be as bad as they were before? Because if that's the case, I would argue that that's one of the things that is pushing people off foils is that they didn't like the foiling process on the expeditions. They didn't like them in the modern master sets. And that's where most of the key foils for modern are coming from. And that could really be limiting the price of foils. Um, if they fixed that foiling process, if it was just a normal pack foil, like you would get at a Kaladesh or the Revolt, um, that would be entirely different, right? Because then the, the these could be... And, and the fact that they kept the same art for the Zen Fetch land certainly plays into all of this because, um, you know, if the art had been superior, then there'd be some kind of debate going on. Um, but there's not really any reason to be holding the original foils when you can get the same thing with a hologram on it uh, and know that you're protected. Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm really bummed that they kept the same art. That just seemed like such a dagger for all of us that had the original foils. Like, why? Yeah, that why would you do that to me? <laughs> just give me new art. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 preferably, but worse art, right? So that you know, the original foils are are at a premium, but between these foils and the expeditions, I just this whole foil scene for the Fetchlands does not seem like a, a tempting target yet for me. No, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, all right, so clearly Modern Masters is uh, a really large. I don't want to, I guess not change a, 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 a very meaningful release on a variety of vectors. Uh, but we are well over the hour mark here. So, uh, is there any last thoughts you have before we wrap it up for this week? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think to summarize, um, if you can get boxes under 200, you're unlikely to get caught out too hard, but the EV on this set is going to drop through the floor. It's going to drop. My prediction is that it drops harder than the last, uh, certainly much harder than 2013 because that print, print run was in fact limited. This print run is going to be much more like Eternal Masters um, and could show up in multiple waves throughout the year. Every time it does come back down through the distribution pipeline, that is going to hurt the value of these cards. So uh, there is no need to rush out and buy any of this. Um, uh, from a singles perspective, you can kick back, wait, and see where prices are at in and around Amonkhet, and then make your call. 
Yeah, I'm thinking the best time to buy for this is like maybe a week or two after Amonkhet releases, maybe, as long as the set's pretty decent. What do you think? Because everybody, yeah, because then everybody's pushing money into standard, right? And, right. And and as they're buying their boxes of Amonkhet, and, and keep in mind, that's a whole new set. They've already committed. We know we're getting more masterpieces, and that's a whole new hype train. You know, I, I'm expecting instants and sorceries or something like that. That just feels like a bolus kind of thing to me. But whatever right. it is, it's going to be a bunch of cool cards that people are going to want um, that are going to suck up a bunch of value out of the people that can afford to buy expensive things. And that's going to be pretty much the right uh, time to be probing the depths of things like scalding tarn foils. Yeah, you know, I was just looking at some uh, expeditions uh, a little earlier before the cast, and I'm not sure. Like, some of them are pretty tempting, but I'm like, I don't know. Like, how long are these going to really last? You know, like, like, like the, the trajectory on them hasn't turned up north enough, firm enough yet for me to be really eager to buy into them. And I'm a little concerned because when there's so many great cards, like so many high-end luxury type cards to buy, it's like, are people going to buy these, right? Like, can the price climb? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that one of the things that plays in here, as we've talked about before, is price theory, right? Like, four Scalding Tarns at 150 US each is a $600 commitment. But if you can get Scalding Tarn pack foils at $60 or $80 each, and the total commitment is less than half of that, that's a very different price point. Um, if they get as low as, you know, 40 or 45 and you can get a full playset for under 200 which I think is, you know, pushing it, but not completely outside the realm of possibility, depending on what this distribution looks like, um, a lot of people are going to pull that trigger because those are those are cards that have a that people have associate a price memory with, which may not be the new reality, but will still still drive some sales. And the other thing is that foil rares are significantly, even in this set, no matter how much of, the, of it they printed, are still going to be significantly more rare than in something like Kaladesh, like a fall set. And if they're acquired in sets of four constantly, then they may dry up relatively quickly in the same way that the Kaladesh EDH-focused inventions have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, that brings us uh, to another end of MTG Fast Finance. Where can our listeners find you, James? You guys can find me on Twitter at MTG Critic, as well as via my weekly articles on mtgprice.com. Okay, and I'm Travis Allen. I'm Twitter, I'm Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Monday for MTG Price. Uh, I'm usually on Cartel Aristocrats on Mondays. And if you enjoy playing Magic the Gathering, check out scry.land, find magic in your area. I would also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service. For just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. And I will say that uh, if you had listened to our advice in terms of selling cards like Cavern of Souls, Liliana, etc., um, you would already have paid for that. <laughs> that's a good point um all right well that brings us to the end of episode 57 uh thanks so much for joining me again james thanks travis and we'll see you guys next week on another episode of mtg fast finance <laughs> <laughs>